Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 174. War. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do you, Who fans? Hope you all are having a, a had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you've got your Doctor Who on, figuratively <laughs> and physically. Yes. Ah, brilliant. Welcome to 174. We've had a good week. Mm. Done some stuff, ain't we? We have, yeah. Ain't we? So, it's always good when we've done some stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So to any new listeners to the show, welcome aboard, of course. But what normally happens is Adam and I, before we get stuck into what's been happening in the world of Doctor Who, where we'd speak about latest news and merchandise and so on before we get on to our review of that particular week's episode we normally have a bit of a catch-up aka a chat aka waffle (laughs) aka blithering on (laughs) which can last anywhere from two minutes to 25 minutes to two hours yeah which is always fun so, so this normally, week, we, yeah, go on, sorry. <laughs> normally, this week, however, the stuff that we've done has been a joint effort. Yeah, I was going to say this week, you know what I've been doing because you were there and I was there. Indeed. Yes. So um, on Sunday, I was going to say Saturday, then on Sunday, just mm. gone, uh, you and I were at the BFI again down at South Bank. Yep. In good old London, London <laughs> town, where we saw a showing of the Day of the Doctor. Mm. which was their celebration of John Hurt, wasn't it? They were showing a series of John Hurt films and TV shows, I think over the course of two or three weeks, if I remember correctly, or a week, something like that. Yeah. And the the day of the Doctor, they couldn't remember when the, um, I forget the guy's name who who presents it and interviews the people, but um, he did say... Justin something. Yeah. Yeah, but he did say that they couldn't do all that without including his Doctor Who performance, which is mm. right, rightly so. And we had a blast, didn't we? It was a great day. It was really good because I, I said to you afterwards, and I'm so glad that we both decided to go because mm. we were tempted um, by the Science of the Time Lords in Leicester, which was the same day. And both of us were a bit like, oh, which should we do? We've yeah. already bought our ticket. Shall we yeah. dump it? Into-? Um, but I, I'm really, really pleased that we stuck with it because, uh, yeah, it was a great day, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to be a little bit careful 
what I say because we haven't reviewed it yet. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to give too much away about the episode itself. I will say this, though. It was great to see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it certainly uh, benefited from it, and it looked good on the big screen as well. Um, it did. Yes. Yeah, but we had a great day, and obviously the moth was interviewed afterwards, wasn't he? With um, who's the other chap? Marcus, Marcus, producer, producer guy. What's his <laughs> name? Marcus. Um, actually, he didn't get to say a lot because the moth did a lot of the talking, didn't he? Marcus Wilson. In, that's it. Yep. Uh, and in the Q and A, um, most of the questions were for the moth. Um, but I think you'll agree with me, mate. He was he was on absolute top form. On Sunday, he was was Mr. Stephen Moffat. He was funny. In fact, he was really funny. Yeah. Um. He was very relaxed. One thing that struck me was he kind of looks like he's had all this pressure taken off. In fact, <laughs> at one point, I think he did make a quip about not having to watch what he says anymore or something. That's right. When yeah. he made a he made a, a mildly rude joke and he said, "Oh, I don't have to worry about saying things like that anymore." So he seemed very relaxed and mm-hmm. was really funny, I thought, and very interested. Really? Like yeah. his answers to the questions, although me and you do think he was <laughs> not saying bending the truth, not exactly bending the laws of time, but certainly uh, stretching them a little. I think sometimes his answers um we weren't sure about a couple of them, were we? In in terms of he was saying about why he didn't include the classic doctors in the actual 50 episodes and uh he was saying none of them were annoyed about it mm. um that was all nonsense and we well we've we've actually heard from the doctors themselves at different panels that that's not actually true yes i think there is one particular doctor who's <laughs> certainly not happy about it um but me? anyway me <laughs> the guy who could that be happy yeah um so but he was fascinating it was really really good q a wasn't it really good i loved it yeah Yeah, i loved it as much as the actual um watching Mm. it on the big screen actually as the episode absolutely yeah and you got to ask a question i did yeah so the format of the day was quite cool we had just a a very Mm. small intro from that guy i can't remember his name it might be justin something yeah and then we went straight into it. And then afterwards, the Moff and, and Marcus went on stage. And anyone that's been to the BFI to these things will know that there's a there's a bit of a discussion where, let's call him Justin for the sake mm-hmm. of it, just for the hell of it. So where where Justin will ask his own questions, and then they'll ask they'll open it up to everyone there. And one of the things that was that was a bit of a theme around his questions, and also some of the questions that the audience asked, and I was one of them was around Chris Eccleston mm. and the Ninth Doctor's potential involvement into the Day of the Doctor because um, it was meant to it, it was it's meant to be, well, I'm going to land myself in some trouble here, I'm not sure, because I can't remember exactly how it was marketed before, but mm. it was meant to be a celebration of 50 years of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. If you remember, I think that's how they sort of the BBC went along when it was first announced. Yeah, because it was meant to be this big special and a celebration of fifty years and so on. And then the moth, in his own way, sort of changed it, didn't he? Because I remember either reading in Doctor Who magazine a couple of years ago or hearing him at another panel somewhere that he didn't want it to be a kind of uh, a, a look back. He wanted it to be um, a sort of a stepping stone to the future of Doctor Who while mm. kind of subtly waving behind, you know, at the past. Yeah. And uh, the, Justin did say to him, 
you know, what, what went on with Chris. And this is something that I hadn't heard before. I hadn't have heard before because I was under the impression, and I think you were as well, mate, that mm. the Moff and Chris only ever met once. And it was a, it was a case of the Moff wanted to meet him, pitched the idea. Chris said, thanks, but no thanks. And that, and that was it. Mm. But in actual fact, they had two meetings, didn't they? Yes. Which I was unaware of. So the first time that they met, the moth went through the story and he was quite funny, wasn't he? Because he said that he got mm. quite animated and really got into it. Yeah. And he was, he was there with, with Chris for about an hour and a half, maybe really, really selling it to him. And that's what in, in previous interviews, it was sort of penned that Chris at the end said, you know, it sounds good, but not for me. But in mm. actual, in actuality, Chris had actually thought this is all right. And, you know, he, and the moth said that he edged a bit closer to maybe saying yes. Mm. And then they had a second meeting and um, the moth, you know, got more animated and got, you know, really into it. And he said that Chris moved another step towards yes as well. And he thought mm. maybe he was going to do it, but then for reasons unknown and fair play to the moth, he won't actually say what Chris said to him, his actual reasons for saying no. But he said that um, Eccleston was like really polite and humble and, you know, for whatever reasons are his own, but he just said, you know, I, I can't do it. Yeah. So that was really interesting because it was always sort of put out there before that it was just a sort of open and shut case. It was like, do you want to do it? Not really for me by, you know, mm. on your way. But it sounds like there was a lot more in there, more, a lot more to it, a lot more to and throw. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe the moth should have got someone else involved, got the sales pitch a bit harder. Mm. I don't know. It sounded, from what he was saying, it sounded like he really tried hard and it sounded mm. like he probably got Eccleston closer to doing it than Eccleston thought he would but two things that I really liked about what he told us that day was that the first first of all that when he contacted Chris Chris insists you know wanted to meet him face to face he didn't want to tell him over a email or text he said I want to meet with you discuss it and tell you why I don't want to do it yes and the moth was yeah. like okay well that's fine let's let's meet and but before you tell me why you don't want to do it let me just tell you what i've got planned <laughs> and then tell me so that was just like the first meeting wasn't it so i like the fact that chris wanted to do that because he could have quite easily just said to his agent no nah, i'm not just tell him yeah, like, you know the yeah. fact he wanted to meet the moth and to explain himself so then it does sound like yeah like the moth convinced him to come back for a second meeting which i don't think he'd sort of planned on um and the moth said he'd already written quite a lot of the script yes hadn't he yeah because that was the other thing we said i said god i'd love to see that original script service on that because what how much did he say he'd written like a third of it or something well more than that he'd written yeah. over half of the, the script already at that point yeah he yeah. was sort of beavering away getting it all done to convince chris and then yeah it was on that second meeting that chris said you know oh really no i've thought about it and uh no not not gonna happen but yeah i like you i just just love the fact that like you said, it wasn't a shut and, cl- um, shut and closed case mm, that he did yeah. actually get him a little bit closer. Yes. Uh, and all, all, you know, credit to the moth for doing that really. And, and for Chris for, you know, for taking enough interest in it and stuff. Yeah. And I thought I'd, I, I'd, I'd prod the, uh, the beast a little bit more. So when they open it up for everybody to ask questions, my hand went straight up and, um, I asked Stephen if, if Chris had said yes, what would the story have been like mm. in terms of, because obviously because of Chris's, um, he didn't accept uh, the role in that. The the moth said that there was a bit of a panic, wasn't there? Because he said, well, you know, we, we have to do something. <laughs> mm. You know, we're going to have to 
you know, we can't just have the two. We need this other bit of the story. We can't just have um, 10 and 11. He said, so there's a bit of a panic about what we were going to do. And, um, and that that's when the idea of this, you know, other doctor being created, the war doctor and, and so on, which, mm-hmm. you know, uh, went on to lead to, to John Hurt. So I, I said to him, if Chris had said yes, would we have still gone down the road of, um, you know, there being similar to John Hurt's storyline and, and so on? And um, and I think that's when he said that, you know, he'd written so much of it already that he probably would have done, yeah. So Chris Eccleston's character still would have been based around, you know, his timeline still would have started around the time war and it was still mm. would have been, you know, the origins, you know, and around there and how, you know, he would have been the one, you know, that potentially pushed the button um, to, to, to kill everybody on, on Gallifrey. Mm. Um, and this, so it's interesting because really he, he said it was going to be the Doctor before he met Rose as well, didn't he? That's he right. said it would be, yeah. be the Ninth Doctor just before he met Rose, which is interesting, but it does make me think, because the first thing I thought of when he said it was, when we see Chris in the episode Rose, he checks his ears in the mirror, so you get the impression he's not long regenerated. Yes, yes. So I was thinking, I was thinking when he said that, how how would that have worked then? If it's the ninth doctor before, it? so do you know what I mean? That that may not have that may have conflicted. I'm sure the moth would have found a way around it, like he he always does. But yeah, I thought yeah. that was quite interesting. That's what I was going to say. I, I, there probably mm. would have been some deep explanation buried in the moth's brain somewhere, because mm. there were there were a couple of other questions where people did ask him. Uh, the a question that was sort of related to continuity and so on. And he sort of laughs it off, really, and he, you know, he sort of jokes around, and he's like, "Look, this is Doctor Who, you know. It's, yeah, you know, if 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 you disagree with, you know, the quirkiness of time travel, then this probably isn't the show for you." So sort of right, yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. going to treat everything as, you know, black and white, and everything's linear, then you know, it's not going to happen. So he has these kind of little get out clauses, if you like, you know, where sometimes he'll say, "Actually, no, you know, the story is intended to be." based on this character or this timeline and it actually does fit if you think about it he mm. sort of outsmarts you a little bit because he's a very clever guy he or, is clever yeah. yeah or he just says just go with it you know he's very quick witted actually when I say he's yeah. clever he's very quick isn't he with the responses like he, like you said he's very clever in terms of his um, his re, his responses to your questions very quick witted man yes I thought yeah. um, I'll tell you the, the two questions that got asked that I've always wanted to ask him as well was um a, why didn't he consider putting Paul McGann in it for a mm-hmm. multi-doctor story? Yep. Now, again, I don't know that I'm quite happy with his answer, but mm. what he said was, we'd already got one dashing, you know, two dashing doctors in it with Matt and uh, um, David. And he was saying, so really, I wanted a contrast. I didn't really want another dashing, good-looking doctor in oh, it. that's right. Yeah. So that's, so I thought, you know, I wanted, he said, whereas Chris would have worked because he's got like Norv and he could have been doing the sort of war doctor when he's having a go at him. He said that would have worked with Chris, but he didn't feel it would work with McGann's doctor, did he? Yeah. So I kind of see where he's coming from with that, but I still think it, I still don't quite go along with it. I still think it would have been great to have McGann in it because I also feel like, and he almost said it, didn't he, that McGann was a bit of a, the night of the doctor thing was a bit of an afterthought with McGann. Yeah. It was a kind of like, you know, very last minute. So I was thinking, so that suggests to me that he never really considered having McGann part of it or, or at least not till very late on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I loved was someone asked him if he would ever consider doing a book like Russell. 
the writer's tale oh yeah which yeah. is something we've said about before saying god it'd be really interesting to sort of once he stepped away from it for a while for to hear all the things he wished he could change or would have done different or didn't get included and all that. But he, he shot it straight down, didn't he? He said, no, I wouldn't do that. He said, Russell's done it. Why would I do one <laughs> or something like that? Why would I do yeah. a copy of his book? And I was like, Oh, that's a, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. He was very complimentary about Russell's book though. He did say mm. it's one of the best books, you know, he yeah. said, and he did say, if anyone hasn't read it, then go out and get it. Cause it, and he, he is right. It's a fascinating book. It's one of the best doctor who books. Mm. Um, behind the scenes kind of thing um so yeah that was an interesting couple of questions actually and like you said he was very quick you know he didn't sort of sit there and stare into space and think about his answers they were just there mm -hmm. so you know you could tell that he still li he lives doctor who and a, a couple more interesting things that i want to pick up on is he did um he did say that chris chibnall had asked him to write more doctor who for series 11 Mm. which i which i was not sort of surprised about but what i was quite surprised was that the, the moff just immediately said no so he didn't give that any thought he just said no you know it's your thing now yeah you know i don't want to be in the corner just sort of put my hand up saying <laughs> behind your back did he say oh i wouldn't do that yeah 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 um so and that kind of matches what i think russell t davis said because i know that the moff has mm. asked russell to come back and write stories for doctor who and he's always said no mm. maybe for that very reason that because he's was showrunner before he just doesn't want to come in and be like oh you should be doing this or have you thought about that and mm. so that's interesting that the that chibnall has already asked him to come back and and write who and the other thing is that he's not really left it you know you know when they filmed the christmas special and so he's left with capaldi and so on and uh, they've sort of said their goodbyes. He's he said that at the moment he's writing the novelization for the Day of the Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's kind of you know two thirds of the way through that, and he's also attending a Doctor Who event, you know, for the Day of the Doctor. So it's, it it really remember we said a few times about the actors that play the Doctor where it never really leaves you, does it? You know, as no, an actor, right. it sort of yeah. follows you around, and you're always known as the Doctor. And it, I guess it's kind of true for the showrunner and other people who work on the show as well because you know russell t davis one of his biggest accomplishments will be bringing doctor who back mm. you know and the same with the moth you know he'll always be known as the showrunner on doctor who yeah and uh you and i have said a couple of times that he must be loving his break from doctor who at the moment but it appears mm. that he's still doing stuff for the show so it's amazing but he said that they're writing the day of the doctor novels he said he's realized it's one of the most complicated mm. stories to write he, that he ever wrote he just said it's so like you know the way it goes back and forth and mm -hmm. he's almost said he's struggling with it really which is bizarre because he wrote it but yeah I, I can having watched it again i could see why that would be hard to novelize that yes. story yeah. um but yeah i mean just to you know just to say about Stephen moffat though no matter what your thoughts on him as a producer or or his era of Doctor Who. One thing I will say about Stephen, I've seen him in a few interviews now, he is always really interesting and really funny mm -hmm. and very, sometimes very to the point. Uh, I was going to yeah. say very blunt, but not, that makes him sound like he's rude. Um, I wouldn't say he's rude, but he's definitely, you know, he says what he wants to say. And mm -hmm. and I just think he's he's really good sort of value for money when you get him in an interview. He's just really entertaining. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, we've seen him on a couple of panels in the past and he's mm. never any different 
regardless of what panel no. you see him on. You know, he's always because there are a couple of people who asked him uh, a, a, a question on Sunday, and his first reply was no. You know, like you said, he's very to the point. He won't mince mm-hmm. his words. You know, when somebody asks him something, he's like, no, no. I think it was about the five doc, the five, the five-ish doctors. Mm. or something like that you know the question around you not having the classic doctors in the in the 50th yeah and yeah. uh you know and he was like no no you know he wouldn't have worked i think his reasoning was the actors are so much older you know they don't look like they're doctors anymore and it it. he said he could get away with it once with tom yeah, being a sort yeah. of an you know ambiguous who is that character he said but i couldn't do that for all the doctors i couldn't have like the fifth doctor turning up in a taxi <laughs> yeah. you know saying where do you want to go go he said i just couldn't do it so i could get away with it with one classic doctor yeah. um but i couldn't do it for the rest I, again i kind of get that but we both feel that there are were ways around it <laughs> yeah we, we'll say no more because we no, need to I review I gotta that i've got to rein it in got to rein it in yeah, until we it. review it because yeah we had a good old chat about it um down the pub afterwards didn't we just because we've never really talked about day of the doctor that much either considering it's such a mm big important episode yeah. um we've never really spoke about it we haven't reviewed it i don't know when we'll do it it'll probably be some sort of special occasion because uh, it is a biggie it um, is a biggie yes. so i won't say too much about that um, i will just say also great of steven to come out and just sign <laughs> just sign he was just so chilled when he come out with a big glass of red wine and was stood with a queue of people <laughs> happy to sign everything photos you know which is really nice to see because i mean he he could again he could have just gone straight in the green room and said thanks guys like a lot of people have that when i've been to bfi before and i can't blame them they're not there to sign autographs so they no obligation but again it just shows my appreciation of Stephen moffat is just quite high in terms of him yeah, as a person yeah. you know not necessarily some of his decisions as a producer but you know that was just really nice to see and he didn't seem to be hassled or pushing people saying well i'll do a couple more but come on guys he was just just quite happy to stand there with his wine and and sign and pose and yeah yeah it's really nice to see we got a couple of pictures didn't we and yeah sign a couple of bits yeah it was good yeah so so overall it was a great day it was regardless of um how we feel about the day of the doctor which we'll come on to in our review at some point whenever we do it it was brilliant to watch it in the cinema because it was um it does have that even though doctor who had, had leaned towards the more cinematic feel in past years that kicked off with matt smith's era i would say Mm. This one does feel very epic, it, you know, especially in the cinema. It does have that very cinematic feel. So it was great to watch it on the big screen. It certainly was. Yeah, I haven't seen many Doctor. I think the the only one other one I've seen on the big screen was Deep Breath, I think, because um, they did a couple, didn't they, mm. on, on cinema showings. I mean, obviously, Day Doctor because it's 50th. Um, I didn't see it on the big screen at the, at the actual time. I watched it on TV in a hotel room, but... Um, yeah, deep breath. I saw the big screen, and it's—I don't know—it does make an episode better. Because yes. I remember, you know, sort of liking deep breath when I saw it at the cinema, and then when I watched it again on the TV, it was nowhere near as good <laughs> as I sort of remembered it. I was thinking, oh, it's so epic on the big screen, yeah. and you get maybe it's because you get the reaction from all the other fans around you as well. Where you know you sort of feel part of the everyone laughs at the same gags or yeah. gasps yeah. at the same moments and that sort of stuff. So maybe that adds to it. You know, it's great. Yeah, well, it's really good. I'll tell you another thing as well. When we were sort of thinking of ditching um, the screening to go to Leicester, 
I was, I, I thought, I'll just see how much the ticket was because we'd already bought tickets. So I'll just see how much money I'd lose if we did that. And the ticket, to my amazement, when I went back and looked, was only eleven pounds. Um, which people might say, well, is that cheap? Well, yeah, I paid seventeen to go and see Star Wars at my local cinema the other day. So eleven pounds to go to the BFI and have that brilliant experience and. And also, I mean, you know, the the plus side of actually meeting them off afterwards and the Q and A, that's actually really good um, value. Really I know good. they're not always that cheap. I know. I think the the what was the last one we did? The Sharda one was uh, Sharda one more expensive, but you got the DVD included in right. the price yeah. ticket, so it's a bit more expensive. But yeah, I mean, that's that's. I just kept thinking that was a blimming good day for eleven pounds. I can't can't moan at that. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good value. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure what the next one is going to be, Doctor Who. Doctor Who wise at the BFI, but we'll keep an eye on it. If we'll let you guys know mm. and, and try and come down because it's a really, really good. Uh, and we always go for drinks afterwards and chat lots of nonsense and who and. Yeah, that was good, that. wasn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, and we we went to FP before, picked up a couple of little little nuggets, didn't we? Mm. Uh, I bagged what did another. You, get? Uh, you know, the Mr. The, the Doctor Men you know little vinyl figures oh yeah yeah so i picked up the fourth doctor one to go with hartnell which looks really good and that was it yeah that's all i picked up i think you got a, a oh i got something a, yeah pop funko yeah that's it that's good so yeah we, we were quite restrained actually weren't we because um i must admit going in there at the weekend kind of as we're heading because it's always so much busier and i can't move around i always like going there in the week when it's quieter and i can actually have a a proper look at stuff but there wasn't there wasn't a great deal in there anyway but you know um yeah i was and it was good not to spend loads of money anyway <laughs> well that's always yeah. a bonus isn't it always a bonus <laughs> yeah if you go near fp mm. yes. and i've not been doing anything else doctor who related really have you done anything else mate um i listened to this morning while i was doing some sorting out some stuff i i put on a big finish i'd bought the the latest um Released with the crowded Sardis team, you know, Kingdom of Lies. Oh, yes. Monthly yeah. range. So it's uh, Fifth Doctor, da- you know, Davison, uh, Tegan, uh, Adric. Is Nissa right. in it? I can't remember yeah. now. But I've got to tell you, yeah, I listened to the first two episodes. It's like a little full party. Yeah, Nissa is in it. Um, oh, I've got to tell you, I'm struggling with it, uh, which is really disappointing because I like this Tardis team and it's the next sort of... <laughs> You know they do. They often do like a little trilogy, and then uh, you know, then they go on to the sixth Doctor, and then seventh, and then they'll come back. And so it's like a, the next sort of new little trilogy with the the crowded Tardis team, as I call them. And I normally quite like them, but this one's um very light hearted, and sort of a bit like uh, I'm trying to think. You know when they do light stories, like some of the big finish stories, they're a bit light, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're intentionally sort of light. And this is one of those, and I don't know, I'm not very good with them stories, because I like it when they're good and they draw you in, and this one's just sort of very jokey, and, and the storyline's very silly. And Right, right. So, yeah, I listened to the first episode that day, and I've, I've got to admit, I can't really be bothered to listen to the rest. I will, though, because it costs 14 blimmin' 99. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was like, no, I'm, I will like this story, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I just wasn't in the mood for it. I just, just, just was a bit... A bit too comical for my right. personal taste. Some people might really like it. As I said, it's a, I suppose it's an easy listen, if nothing else. But yeah, so that's the only other thing I've done. I just listened to that while I was sorting out a load of receipts this morning. <laughs> I think what, is that by Robert Kahn and somebody else? Uh, uh, it is by. I've got the cover here actually. Um, yes, it is Robert Kahn and Tom Selinsky. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that might explain why it's a little bit comical. Why do they yeah. often do that sort of? Well, a couple of their, yeah, they can be a bit, like you say, a bit lighthearted. A little bit on the funnier side. Yeah, it's it's just all about a, a sort of um, a sort of parallel sort mm-hmm. of um, Prince Charles and Camilla Diana. I don't know. It's all just sort of royal family sort of take off, and I don't know. It's just not doing a lot for me. But it may be the you know maybe parts three and four. It all. But anyway, we'll see. I'll I'll let you know next week if I finish it and if it gets any better. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, some people might like it. it might just be personal taste. Yeah. Some people might like those jokier stories. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? So that's it. That's the only other thing, mate. Yes, I haven't been doing anything else. Cool. I haven't no. been doing anything either. So, should we land it and do some some news? Yeah. One bit of news this week, and as as usual for 2018 so far, we have to report someone's passing. Sad news again. This is very sad news, and we've only found out about it now. This um, uh, Jeremy Wilkin uh, passed away at the end of December um, at the age of 87, and the name will ring a bell for uh, classic Who fans and potentially Blake Seven fans, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy Wilkin, he was Professor Kelman in Revenge of the Cybermen mm. and uh, went on to do a load of voice work um, for Jerry Anderson. So he was in, he was uh, Virgil in Thunderbirds, also did some um, Captain Scarlet stuff and Joe 90. So it was really big sort of voice work um, back in the day um, and also went on to do uh, um, some Blake 7 stuff. Uh, he was in... Was he in a couple of episodes of it? No, he's he's, he's just in the first one. Yeah, he plays a sort of a pivotal role in the first episode. Yeah, ah, I see. Mm. Yeah, so really big uh, uh, sort of face around that so because Doctor Who and Blake Seven are often linked in some in some I'm way. I'm just laughing because I don't know why I'm so guarded about who play. He plays a traitor. I'm saying it as if I'm like giving out a big spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's only forty years old or whatever it is. <laughs> It's a bit like um, somebody put on Twitter about the ending of Blake Seven. This is ages ago, and there's like a few people like, "Oh no, spoilers! <laughs> don't say that." And it's like, "Blimmin' heck! It's yeah. been out forty years. Blimmin Surely ended <laughs> by now." Um, yeah, he played yeah. sort of a traitor in it, and uh, right. yeah. But I, I think of him, although I'm a massive Blake Seven fan, I think of him. You know, when I see his picture, I always think of Revenge of the Cybermen. That's what I associate him with, right. uh, the yeah. character in that. So again, playing a bit of a a shady character, if I remember yes. why. I haven't yep. watched that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we lose another classic mm. Who actor, Jeremy Wilkin. Yes. I did, know, did think as soon as I saw this, he appeared at the Phantom event. Uh, I say recently, it might even have been February last year, actually, but he was definitely at one of the, the Phantom events I went to because I don't think he, he did move, didn't he move to Canada for a while for many yeah. years? Long I remember time ago. being yeah. one thing that he was. He was there. So, yeah, sad news. Sad news indeed. And that's the only news we have, mm-hmm. which is sad. Um, so we do need to get our metal friend in. I'm sure he's got at least one bit for us. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. 
I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Just one bit of merch from old Grumpy Guts. Yeah, although he likes the cover on this one, doesn't he? Well, of course he does. Not that he's vain or anything. Uh, there's a new DVD on the way uh, from Kosh Media. I've seen these guys release quite a few things. Yeah, they, they've been doing quite a, quite a bit lately. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So they release these um, sort of independent um, documentary style uh, DVDs around Doctor Who. So they are, um, I was going to say, it's a tricky one. They are sort of official, as in they do cover the actual content and story from Doctor Who, but they're not allowed to use like the proper Doctor Who logo or anything like that from the BBC. Hmm. I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, But this one is called, it's a new one, it's just called Simply Monsters! Exclamation mark. Released on the 5th of March, so you can pre-order it now. And it's a unique compilation of a documentary, I Was a Doctor Who Monster, and then five um, smaller titles from uh, the Myth Maker series from Real Time Pictures. Hmm. Uh, Hosted by McCoy. Old Seven. And uh, the synopsis is, for the first time, Who fans can learn about the men and women that brought to life the monsters that sent them behind the sofa. Mm. Uh, I Was a Doctor Who Monster is hosted by McCoy, and Mythmakers is presented by Nicholas Briggs, who interviews the stars and production staff of Doctor Who to find out the story behind the world's famous sci-fi television series. Uh, In this particular special you can meet a plethora of people who played monsters as diverse as Daleks, Cybermen, mm-hmm. Yeti, Fish People and Marshmen. That's a bit obvious really, isn't it? Mm, imagine that on your CV. Marshmen, Fish People. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, where it says diverse and they mention Daleks and Cybermen. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of when... Ricky Gervais presented the Golden Globes Awards a few years back and uh, he presented Sylvester Stallone for, to come up and present. He said, We're gonna, someone, met, welcome to the stage, uh, a really versatile actor who can do anything. <laughs> Over the years, he's been a soldier and a boxer. Please welcome <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so anyway, yes, you can dive into the diverse and... and uh, mm. Uh, monsters from Doctor Who, such as Daleks and Cybermen. Uh, yeah, so I think this is just the behind the scenes of all the people that went inside the costumes over the years. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm I'm sold on this now. I know McCoy's presenting it because that should be quite fun. I, I must admit, when I saw saw this initially, I was a bit like mm, I might pass on that one. But I don't know. Actually, having sort of read the little synopsis about it, it could be quite good fun. It's and again, it's only a tenner if you get it from galaxy four or zoom don't get it from amazon it's 14.99 on there yes. but yeah if you, if you can get it for a tenner which it seems to be on a few sites um it's a two disc set as well i think is it yeah it is. Yep. so yeah you can't go I, I, i'll uh i'll pay a tenner for that yeah i'm gonna get this all right yeah, yeah i think it's great value just 9.99 for two discs and uh it makes it a little bit more sort of legit because mccoy's presenting the main I like the sound of that. You know? Yeah. That sold it to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm not saying that the other independent releases from Koch Media or or Real Time aren't, you know, any good. It's just, you know, it does make it feel a bit more legit. Yeah. If McCoy's on board. So there we go. 
and that's the only bit of merch as well. So, mm. um, right, souffle man. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing this week? Oh, Gary, this week you're going to see more Daleks, more variations of Daleks than you've ever seen on the screen in your life. <laughs> it can only be Asylum <laughs> of the Daleks. Where are we? Spaceship, right? Not just any spaceship. The Parliament of the Daleks. The Asylum must be The Predator of the Daleks will be deployed. I'm not a predator, just a man with a plan. Doctor! Doctor! Who killed all the Daleks? Who do you think? Who do you think? Who do you think? Doctor! Oh! Uh, so, after your very passive aggressive introduction. <laughs> Asylum of the Daleks came to our screens on the 1st of September 2012 it was, it was the opener to uh, series 7 mm. and it was uh, written by the Mothball it was directed by Nick Huron and um, uh, stars Matt Smith as a doctor with um, Karen Gill and Arthur Darville and the story is roughly the doctor gets a um distress signal or no a sort of message is sent to him somehow um from uh, a lady ish called Darla von Carlson uh, who happens to be on Scaro by the way and uh, her daughter is trapped in a, a Dalek prison and she requests the doctor's help in freeing her daughter from said prison um, the doctor realizes very quickly this is a trap him Amy and Rory get uh kidnapped and thrown into uh, the the Dalek homeworld of Skyro, and they're put before the Dalek Parliament, which I can assure you is very different to human Parliament. Mm. And uh, <laughs> the reason why it was a bit of a ruse in order to get the Doctor there is because the Daleks, unbeknownst to the Doctor, have this planet which they've called Asylum, where all of the crazy, eye-twitching mentalists... Um, go and uh the daleks have detected there's a there's a problem somewhere because a spaceship has managed to crash land and break in so they're very fearful that those daleks will now be able to break out so they're going to send the doctor down to fix the situation because he's known as the uh the dude that the daleks are scared of aka the oncoming storm and there we go uh, he does bump into Clara. Well, well Oswin. A bit of a spoiler there. But yeah. it's basically Clara playing yeah. another character in Doctor Who. <laughs> yes. If you can believe that. Yeah. Oswin, Oswald. Clara. Hmm. Because when she comes back as Clara, she's playing exactly the same character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Asylum. Hmm. Hit me. I can. I can already tell. This is not going to be pretty. But do please kick off. No, what it's, do you reckon? It, it's yeah. It's not. I, I didn't. Yeah, uh, I'm not feeling this one. Uh, I, I, d- I didn't know how I'd feel about it because I sort of remember liking it ish on a first. What you know when it went out when it aired. 
because because uh, obviously the the reveal of uh, Oswin was kept secret amazingly uh, <laughs> back in the days when the BBC kept secrets and we had surprises. So I remember that was a bit of a probably up the episode for me at the time, right? Because you're like, oh, what what? This is the new companion. How how is she inside a Dalek? This is uh, you know this is interesting. How's this all going to work out? How's the Doctor going to save her? And mm. how's she going to come into the series? So that was a that was quite a nice thing when it first aired. Of course, like a like a lot of the Moffats scripts once you've seen it once that you know and that magic is gone and you just take the story as it is it's a really silly story and um (laughs) if ever there's an example of style over substance in doctor who i think this is it because the episode looks on the whole really amazing like the direction's lovely the the actual effects the cgi the opening shot of the Dalek on Scaro is beautiful, although ridiculous. It's it's beautiful, um, and you know all the stuff on the snow planet. I'm sure you picked up a little Hoff reference as well, still Star Wars. But it, as a, you know, in terms of the way the episode looks, it looks fantastic. It looks like it's had some money spent on it. Um, but I'm afraid, take that away, take away the initial surprise of the Oswin reveal, um, and take away Matt Smith giving a fantastic performance. There isn't a lot left in this story for me to enjoy anyway. Um, I, I got to the end of it and just felt like, what was that about? Right, just like, right. just so silly. The Daleks calling the doctors to sort out some mad Daleks and it contradicts itself all the way through. I mean, it's like Doctor saying something. He says something about, they, they, they're worried about the Do- Daleks hating and then he says to Amy in the middle of it something about, um, you know, hate is not a Dalek emotion. I don't know, it just contradicts itself all the way through. I just found myself getting quite annoyed with it. Um, and obviously, you've got to remember when this first went out, it was built up as featuring all these classic Daleks <laughs> and going to have every yeah. Dalek you could ever imagine on screen. And we don't see any of them for more than half a second. Mm-hmm. We, get, we get a brief glimpse of the special weapons Dalek and apparently there's some other ones in there. I was looking really hard yesterday to see if I could spot them. Because obviously I haven't watched this for a while, so I made a special effort. Yeah. Put my glasses on and everything, and I I could hardly see any classic Daleks in there. So I saw lots of gold ones, which I've seen numerous times. But yeah. you know, I even saw a reversed shot at the beginning. I was looking so careful. I was like, "Hang on, the plungers are on the wrong side for that one shot." That's how careful I was looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm afraid not impressed with this one at all. Looks great, but the story's silly and it just wraps up and the doctor flies off and you're left thinking, well, what a waste of 45 minutes, right. 50 minutes. <laughs> what did you think, mate? Do you love it? I do not love it. Oh dear. I do not. I don't mind it. I think it's an okay watch. However, I feel the story is completely and utterly uh, just ridiculous and, and wasted. Yeah. The reason being is thus. Two reasons. Like you, uh, it should have been a really cool uh, collection of Daleks. See, this is the moth over. This is the moth. And I know we said earlier, you know, he's a nice guy and everything, you know, but he has made some questionable decisions around story plots because, like we said around the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, uh, you know, and that being a celebration of Doctor Who, we hardly, you know, we got Tom and that was it. Yeah. You know, and it's the same with this. This was touted as like, you know, all the classic Daleks were going to be in there and so on. And you got, like you said, 
you have to do a bit of a where's Wally thing. You have to pause it when you see like, you know, 50,000 gold Daleks and you have to, is that, is that, did I see a, an old grey and blue one there? Did I see yeah. one? Oh, I've, maybe, I don't know, but there's certainly a, you know, a couple of the dreadful big, you know, bendy plastic red and white ones knocking around. And mm. so that's the other thing. And, and it's just his, the moth really doesn't get his own head sometimes because his rationale for this story was that um, he wanted to give the Daleks a bit of a rest. Um, and the reason for that is because they've become, and this is quoting them off, he's become the most, they have become the most reliably defeatable enemies in the universe. Mm. And that because they'd become a bit of a British icon, they're, they're deemed a little bit cuddly now and have, you know, drifted away from being threatening and scary. So he wanted to create a story that sort of, you know, you know, you know, put the fear back into the universe from the Daleks and so on. But none of that comes forward at all. No. So we don't get any of the really cool, you know, older style Daleks knocking around. It's just all the new ones, with the exception of one cameo from Special Weapons. And <laughs> maybe if you got the magnifying glass out, you can pick out another couple, but that's it. And then the other thing is that if you're gonna if you're gonna build it up beforehand that you're gonna make the Daleks scary again, then make them scary. Mm. <laughs> all it is is they they become in, in this story they've become the stormtroopers of of Doctor Who because you have the the the, the Dalek Parliament so you have the Dalek who's outside of his case you know he's sort of calling the shots mm. so he's he's like the Emperor or Darth Vader, if you like. He, he's the guy that's calling the shots. And then all of the other Daleks are the ones that are just, you know, clumsily walking around, firing shots here, there and everywhere and not hitting a thing. Mm. And our, you know, would-be capturers just get out of it all very, very easily. You know, yeah. albeit with a little bit of help from Oswin. Um but yeah, you can open yeah. doors one minute and the next minute she can't, and then it's she can. And yeah, yeah. So, you know, on when you think about it like that, you know, the whole thing just flops, and it just doesn't hold any weight whatsoever. None well, I, at all. I couldn't get my head around like the whole beginning as well, like the Doctor being summoned by the Daleks and them just talking like two old mates down the pub. All right, Dalek, how you doing? All right, I'll have a pint. Yeah, so we've got this problem. And when did they become mates? <laughs> yeah, like, why yeah. would they call the doctor to do this stupid thing which he doesn't end up doing anyway <laughs> it's it, ridiculous, that whole yeah. premise of the story just really frustrated me I couldn't I, I just couldn't get my head around it at all yeah. you if know. you think about Chris Eccleston's reaction when he sees mm. the Dalek in that story Dalek yeah he's absolutely it's, he just you can see the dread and fear in his face you know and he's absolutely mm. petrified because he starts screaming up at the camera and banging the door, doesn't he? He's like, get me out of here. Yeah. You know, he's really, you know, but Matt Smith's reaction is like you said, he's just bumped into him on a walk down to the shop, you know, and it's, it just doesn't, that's what I'm trying to say. The whole story just doesn't add up it properly. Doesn't add and hold water. It no. doesn't at all. And uh, I mean, it's weird because on the other side of the coin, you know, it's not a bad watch. Like you said, it's produced beautifully and it looks great and, the performances are very good. Hmm. So you can kind of, 
you know, turn your brain off a little bit and just enjoy the watch, you know, just go with it. Um, and the twist at the end with, with Oswin, you know, finding out that she's in fact a Dalek, you know, you could, have, you could have seen that coming from next, you know, last week, you know, it's, um, it, it all starts when the doctor says to her, where'd you get the milk Yeah, for the souffles? You know, as yeah. soon as he says that, the game's up. And he says it right at the start, pretty much, doesn't he? When he's talking to the Daleks, chat is the first time he chats to her. Mm-hmm. Over the intercom, he says, "Where'd you get the book?" So that, yeah, like you said, it's, the game's already given away. The game's up, and she's talking through a big round window, and you're thinking, "Well, that that's the Dalek eye, then." Yeah, I know. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it's a bit of a sigh moment, isn't it? Because there's because you kind of want to like it because we are talking about you know Doctor Who's most classic, well-known. Yeah, a monster here. You know, these are, you know, they're as famous as the Doctor himself. You know, so you mm. want, you really want to get into the story. You know, it's a Dalek story. There's millions of them. You really want to like it. Um, but yeah, and, and and like you said, Matt Smith's really good in it. His performance oh, he's is great. Really trying yeah. hard. He's really, and actually, he is very good in it. And so is Arthur Darvel. Actually, if there's two things I enjoy about this episode, it's them. I think Matt Smith's amazing and I think really good performance. And Arthur Darfell's very good with the humour. Mm. Uh, I like, I, you know, I really warm towards Rory as a character because of him. Um, so those two guys hold this together for me, really. Carry it. Yes. Carry it. Um, the other thing I don't like, mate, is the silly Dalek human people. With the, when there's right, these right. Dalek eyes start growing out their heads. Where, where'd that come from? Right, so that was a story that was... Well, that was an element that I think was introduced by Russell T. Davis back in Eccleston's era with the nanogenes. Is it? So you you know the um, the Doctor dances and yeah, yeah, it's one of my favourite two parts. Actually, yeah. So you know the 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 concept. You know the the pod that Captain Jack crashed down to Earth, who thought was empty but was full of nanogenes. That yeah, sort of you know on a chemical, biological, atomic level, whatever you want to call it, you know, can rebuild and stuff. I think it's that same concept. But what they do is, uh, if another life form lands on th- this planet, in this case, it's a human being. The nanogenes see that as a as a as a fault, if you like, and so they get rebuilt into sort of Dalek DNA. Okay. So it kind of switches them to, you know, to a sort of Dalek thing. Um, and I think, if memory serves, the Doctor does say to Oswin that because she's such a genius, she's so clever that they did a full conversion on her. So she wasn't just a human with an eye stalk that can pop out of her head. She, she was turned fully into a Dalek by right. the nanogenes. That, that's the, the idea. Yeah, so these nanogenes, they, um, at a cellular level, there you go, I think that's the word I'm looking for. They do you, do you of, like the idea, though? Do you like, because I, I just think it looks silly. I, I just doesn't do anything for me, is it doesn't, don't think they're scary or, or anything, really. I just don't, I don't know. I think they just look stupid with these Dalek eyes popping out of their head but what do you think do you like them um yeah they're okay uh, yeah they're okay it's quite an interesting concept i really like what mm. russell did with with introducing that concept of these nanogenes and they thankfully they haven't been used a lot to death they yeah. haven't been used over the top um so yeah i mean it's quite cool i mean but like you i agree they're not scary but it's quite mm. a good idea it's quite it's quite cool it, it just wasn't used to a full effect, I don't think. They wasn't like the Daleks themselves, mm. these humans that are actually sort of half Dalek. They're just not sort of scary enough. There's a scene when they go into the, the crashed spaceship 
and the guy starts to get his memory back and that sort of triggers off the transformation with the the eye stalk and he goes a bit mad and starts going after them yeah and then when he sort of dealt with the the dead uh astronauts i guess you know sort of juicy skeleton ones they start Mm. to come alive as well so you know it's a you know the idea is there it just wasn't like everything in this story it just wasn't scary enough just wasn't executed well yeah this Mm. could this could have been a really good uh sort of scary story this one it could have been one that, you know, the, the Littlands would have been a bit fearful of watching or going back to. Um, but I think they shied away too much. I think they made it too, mm. well, in a, in a grand twist of ironic fate, um, they made it too cuddly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say. Well, while you're explaining things, what is it the Daleks want the Doctor to do as well? Like, why do they send him down to the... the what what is he supposed to do down there? Because what he seems to do is land and get in a bit of trouble and try and free Oswin and then leaves again. But what is it they want him to do? Because that's the other thing I didn't really understand. Right. So this planet where these crazy Daleks are on, it's protected by a planet-wide sort of force field. Yeah. So yeah. That, that stops these crazy Daleks from escaping. So when Oswin's ship crashed, um, it basically... Um, yeah, it sort of uh, broke the the force field. It sort of ruptured the planet-wide force field. So the Dalek Parliament know that if these insane Daleks were to wake up and get wise to the fact that the force field's broken, they can escape. So they want the Doctor to mend the force field? Yeah, so they want the... Uh, uh, well, they're not mend it. They want the, the Doctor and stuff to deactivate the force field so that the, the Dalek ships above the planet can just destroy them. Okay, see, it shows how much attention I was paying to it. And I was watching it properly. I, don't, I didn't look at my phone that much, surprisingly. But I, I just couldn't, again, this just goes to show, I just couldn't get my head around why can't the Daleks do that themselves? I know they, they say something about being scared of these Daleks that have gone too mad and all that, but I, I just don't buy that at all, you know. well, it, Why would they get the doctor of all people to go down there to do, to do that for them? Yeah, I think, in a, in a, in a way, I think the, what they're trying to say is, they're trying to sort of elevate the Doctor's history with the Daleks. You know, they're trying to, mm. you know, elevate that to the point where, because the, even the Doctor says in one scene, doesn't he? He's like, not one of you will go down there. You know, he does say mm. that to them. Yeah. So I think what it's doing is, to the viewer, it's saying that these Daleks who have gone crazy, you know, they're really, you know, potentially fatal. You know, if, if you're going to go down there and start messing with them, you know, they're, they're, they'll start killing anything. Daleks are like, you know, whatever. Mm. So the actual Daleks themselves are a bit fearful. They're not going to go down there because they're going to get their, their ass kicked. So the only other person in, that they know of that's capable of dealing with Daleks is the Doctor. Right. So it kind of, you know, elevates his status as like the person that, you know, the only person that can deal with Daleks other than Daleks who are too scared, mm. is the Doctor. All right, I'll go, well, I'll go with that then. I'll go with that. But what about all this stuff about the, doc- the Daleks <laughs> having their mind erased then, so they don't know who he is at the end, and they're all shouting, Doctor Who! Well, this is a bit I mean, of a continuity thing, isn't it? Because yeah. as, as a, a way of, because the Doctor gets trapped, doesn't he, on his way to, to, to go to see Oswin, he gets trapped in that room. Mm. And... 
I think that's the scene anyway. And the only way that Oswin can save him, because she can't get the door open conveniently at that point, um, the only way to save him is to erase all of the Daleks' memory of the Doctor so that, you know, they suddenly think, oh, he's this random person, you know. Yeah. He, you know, he might be a threat just because he's some random human, but he's definitely not threatening as the Doctor. So it's a bit of a continuity thing because... Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, I can hear the moth saying, "Go with it, go with it." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. from that point on, are we saying that the Daleks in general don't know who the Doctor is because their memories have been wiped? Um, but but that's not true because we have no. further it's... episodes after this where the Doctor encounters the Daleks, and so that's definitely one of those moth times where it's just just go with it in yeah. the background, behind the scenes, in the timeline somewhere. Somebody's gone up to the Dalek Parliament, flicked a switch, and now they can remember the Doctor again. And you know, mm. here we are. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a you have to just go with it. No, oh, all right, okay, I will go. Yeah. I will go with it for the sake of the the review. But yeah, it did strike me as odd. Um, and also really hammering home the Doctor Who. Like, yay, they said the TV title, yay. Doctor Who. They said it. Hooray. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of positives because I've been very negative so far. I mean, I um, I want to say oh. one more negative before we move on. Go on then, go which on. is worrying to me because if you were a viewer who was who decided that I'm going to watch some Doctor Who, my all my friends mm. watch it, and I want to watch it, and I found <laughs> or I've mm. nicked off my friend the Series Seven box set, I'm going to give it a watch. I've never seen Doctor Who before. It's really worrying that. Um, Someone like you, who has been a lifelong Doctor Who fan, who knows, you know, all the Dalek stories inside out and knows the show inside out, didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah, I mean, it may have been because I wasn't paying attention because I did, I did lose interest in this story very quickly, I will admit. I mean, I watched it. I gave, you know, I only watched it last night as well. Um, and I made notes. And bizarrely, you know, normally I make two, at least two pages of notes for each episode before, before the show. That's just natural. That's what I end up making. Mm-hmm. I've made barely a page of yeah. notes on this story. You're not alone, though, because the yeah. first time I watched it, I thought, crikey, what was that? Mm. I, I, I think I, it's one of those stories where I think, I think I understand it. And then when I thought about it some more, I'm like, no, I, I don't. So it's only after watching it a second, well, a, a, this is the third time I would have watched it, mm. and reading up, the you know the synopsis in detail on wiki and stuff that i finally got my head around it yeah and i think it's because the things that i don't understand the things that don't make sense in terms of the writing if you know what i mean and the and and the show itself but yeah Yeah, maybe it's us maybe you know uh, uh, the majority of our listeners will be like what are you guys going on about it's really easy Mm. it's just a b and c but Mm. yeah i don't know so let's move on to some positives though you said you had a few um, not, well, not many, but, um, no, I mean, actually, I suppose I can't, I can't move on to a positive actually without mentioning a negative because they were kind of linked. Um, so we've got this divorce thing going on between the ponds, which has come out of nowhere. Right. So, okay, we'll go with that. But, um, so I don't really like that, but it does lead on to the, I do kind of like the scene at the end where Rory goes to give her his bracelet and it proves that. He does love her. And we have that right, exchange right. about, because one of the things is that the Pond's relationship always um, sort of interests me in a way, because we, I don't like this thing that Amy is always fawning after the, 
the Doctor in Series oh, okay. 5. and Because yeah. I always feel sorry for Rory because I like the character so much. So, I don't know. In this, we do kind of almost um, tackle that. That that issue with their relationship that you know he loves her more and he knows it but it's he's accepted it because mm-hmm. that's a bit of a running theme so I like the fact that that's brought to the fore and we get to explore it a little bit and I do like the fact that she's having none of it she just won't accept it so although I don't like the fact that they've got this divorce story going on I do like that little scene at the end because I kind of think it's needed because all the way through sort of series five and and six I'm sort of thinking poor old Rory don't get treated very good. <laughs> You know, she's always like, you know, giving the doctor the eyes and he's always second best and stuff. So I do like that. And I do like the scene where he goes to give her the bracelet and she realizes the doctor's put his bracelet on her. And we get a little cut back to him adjusting the tie and she because she says he can't fix things like he fixes his tie. So I like all that. I think that's a nice piece of writing and it's, you know, a little bit emotional. And again, I I think Raw is excellent in, in those scenes. And so is Karen, actually. So I do like that side of it. Right even though I don't particularly like the sort of divorce sort of subplot, um, if you like. So that's one positive, I suppose. And as I said, I thought Matt Smith was really going for it. There is a scene where he's really like acting scared when Oswin can't get the door open and those Daleks have recognised him or whatever <laughs> and he's screaming to get to go in. And then when he realises she's a Dalek, even though it's no surprise to the viewer, he, I think he does a really nice performance of looking gutted he yes. looks really sort of like defeated yeah. and like oh my no you know so I, I think matt smith's awesome in this actually really really good so that you know there's a couple of <laughs> yeah. small positives and like you said it is not um unwatchable like i you know just because i didn't enjoy the story it does visually look brilliant and i would mm. say it's a, a a reasonable watch like I, I wouldn't say i you know the story before this was dr the widow the wardrobe i'd happily <laughs> never ever watch that again I would never, I will never put that episode on unless we're reviewing it or there's a reason to. This, yeah, it may not be the best, but if it was on, I, I wouldn't switch it off. Right, so, like you said, right. it's watchable enough. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, Positives you got? Yeah. So I did like the Amy and Rory um, thing mainly because it was fleshed out a little bit. If you remember back at the time, they mm-hmm. did um, a sort of serial of mini episodes called pond yeah. life that went out. Yeah. Um, and that kind of fleshed out their relationship at the time. You know, you could see mm-hmm. that, you know, they're going through a bit of a rough patch and it sort of leaded up to this episode with them getting divorced. Mm-hmm. So you have that going on. So I like that they explored that a little bit outside of the actual series because that yeah. does give you a, but then again, again, if you're a casual viewer, you wouldn't know any of that build up to it, I suppose. So you have to sort of go with it again. Um, mm. But I really did like Arthur Darville in this. Really yeah, liked good. his performance. Yeah. There was two two scenes which I really liked. The first one was where he goes to see Amy at the beginning. You know, she's doing her modelling yeah. photo shoot, and you know he's you know he's clearly cut up at the minute because he's got the divorce papers, and he's like, "You need to sign these." And she's being very kind of. yeah flippant and not showing any emotion towards it she wants to be viewed as you know it's not really bothering her and so on but he plays it really well because he just gets her to sign it and then you know he's like oh you're just pouting in front of the camera i suppose and he walks Mm -hmm. out and and you can see him when he gets on the bus he just looks i don't know he just looks really gutted you know it's really hitting Mm. him so and then the other scene is the where you mentioned where you know he's he's kind of really yelling at her, you know, to take the bracelet because he's, he, he, 
they, they've always played on this subject with Amy and Rory, where Rory always feels like he's punching above his average. Mm-hmm. They always play on that. And he actually, you know, we actually get the, the words out of his mouth. You know, he said, I've always loved you more than you've mm-hmm. loved me. And that, that's the tipping point. And we only get to that, you know, she only realizes how much she loves him after he's gone through that and he's vocally said it, you know, because mm. it, it, all the only other times we see it is in each episode, he sort of hints a little bit of that. And you can tell that Amy sort of knows it really in the back of her mind. She knows that, you know, he's, he, he's infatuated with her. She knows that. Um, but he actually gets the courage and he yells at her and, you know, he properly goes for it. Mm. So I, I, I love those couple of scenes. It really shows Arthur Darby, well, you know, he's great acting skills. And not only does he work really well with Matt Smith all the time, those two really, yes, they do. you know, yeah. bounce off each other. Yeah. It's good to see him on his own sort of thing, you know, sort of holding his own, you know, in this story. So I really mm. enjoyed that. I really, like you, I really loved Matt Smith's performance. What a, Another time where he's just worth his weight in gold in stories yeah. like this, where it, probably in the production, the build-up, it was touted as, you know, not only to us as viewers, but to everybody making the show that it was going to be this really big, you know, Dalek story of all these different Daleks and it's going to be this and that. And probably when it came to it, you know, a, again, it's down to our lead man to to sort of really push the story forward and, and make it enjoyable. Because in every scene, he's really good. He, he's either confused as we are <laughs> or he's really confident and quite funny and you know just he's, typical great matt smith stuff yeah and i found he's a slightly darker side of his doctor in this story which i like which we see more of in series seven you know he's he's got all the humor stuff going on at the start where he's quite enjoying mm-hmm. chatting to the daleks and being you know in that sort of different position of not being exterminated so that's good so you got the humor but i also like the darker side where he's really being serious and yes. getting down to business or, so, you know, showing that slightly darker edge mm-hmm. to the 11th doctor that Matt Smith had in him. You know, um, I, I think his performance is faultless. As I said, I feel he carries the episode a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. There was one scene, which was really good, actually r- mm. near the end where, where he walks through the door and sees Oswin as a Dalek. Mm. He's conflicted because he can see in his face. He's like, I'm so sorry. You know, he's apologizing, mm. you know, cause she doesn't know that's, that was part of the twist, wasn't it? She doesn't know yeah. she's a Dalek. So, um, you know, he was like, I'm so sorry. But then his face changes to this really kind of menacing, you know, and he, he, he's quite venomous in his delivery. He's like, but you are a Dalek. You know, mm. and so he's conflicted in his mind. I think he's, he, he formed almost an emotional bond with Oswin when he couldn't see her. But then when he sees her as a Dalek, he's like, oh, you know, she saved me, I suppose. Mm. However, she is a Dalek after all. Um, mm. So yeah, so his face really changes and he really sort of snaps at her. He's quite venomous. And yeah, like you said, just that little dark side of him. That's mm. that's really good. I'm trying to think. There was another scene and it escapes my memory at the minute where he was playing it really sort of, um, not angry, but it's that sort of darker side. I remember thinking, yeah, we get, we get to see a bit of this in Series 7 and I like it. Um, I wish I could remember what it was now, but it's just something where he's, he he probably goes from being very sort of um, comedic to being very serious and quite, like you said, um, not venomous, but he's sort of laying down the cards. You think, yeah, yeah, I like you know, I like this side of the eleventh Doctor. We don't see it very often. Um, there was a scene where he's addressing the Parliament. You know, when they he first gets transported mm. there, 
and he does play it quite funny for a bit, but then he does it turn could be very quickly. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, but that's just Matt Smith. He's very, very good at doing that. And I thought that's the thing. Yeah. He's, it, like the first five minutes are really quite fun. Actually, I remember thinking, oh, maybe this is better than I thought, hmm. better than I remember. Because like you know, when he comes in and Raw is like, how bad is it? Is, you know, on a scale of ten, and he's like eleven and all this. I think he's great <laughs> at that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. What do you think to Murray Gold then? There was a couple of cool, cool little themes in this one. It relies heavily on, mm-hmm. you know, the usual Matt Smith era stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's some nice little moments though, music wise. It's a, some yeah, some good creepy bits of music mm-hmm. when, um, like you said, when the Daleks are coming alive, when Rory's trapped with them, that was quite a nice scene. And again, a good example of how it could have been more scary because that starts off being quite creepy when he's like turning the head round and they're all dead, but then one of them, he drops the Dalek ball, doesn't he? He's like, <laughs> what do you want, eggs? Eggs? Is yeah. this an egg? That's quite fun, that scene. And then the Dalek comes alive. So that Murray is sort of quite good in those scenes, I think, of doing that creepy, menacing mm-hmm build up that you know something's going to happen yeah it was also um i also thought that we should have had more scenes like that yeah we should have I you agree. know where rory mm. you could tell that although rory's being rory he's being quite sort of scaredy cat funny if that's the best mm. way to describe it he's uh you can tell that they're the, the, the tension's ramping up because he's trapped with all those you know and they're crazy daleks at that Mm. And, you know, it does build up and it's very suspenseful. But that was the only time that I ever felt like any one of them could have been in potential danger. Because even the bits where the Doctor's running away and... Yeah, you know Oswin's going to save him, yeah. Yeah, and even when Amy realises that her sort of wristband that protects her from the nanogenes converting her to Dalek, even when, you know, she starts to turn almost, you know, she starts losing her memory and so on. Even then I I thought, well, she's going to be okay. You know, she's... Mm. I can't see her turning into a Dalek here and the doctor having to turn her back or anything. Was, so that was the only scene where I thought, oh, Rory could be in trouble here. Because mm. it's Rory, you know, this dispensable yeah, exactly, Rory. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, yeah. It's a bit of a tricky one to review because, you know, it, the, the, the story was a bit of a letdown. However, it's a decent watch because the performances are very good and it looks great and... You know. It is mainly the start. The start of it, it doesn't look fantastic. Uh, yeah. A lot of it, you know, all the you know thousands of Daleks and stuff. Um, I want to know then, what what did you think of Oswin? Yeah, as, I was a, say. as yeah. Um, you know, well, she's Jenna Louise Coleman at this point. She mm. hasn't dropped the Louise bit yet. Um, so, what did you think of her as Oswin? I mean, as I said at the time, it was quite a surprise they managed to put her in the first episode without anybody knowing. So that was a that was a great thing mm-hmm. when it first aired, but taking that shock value away what do you sort of think of her in this um i actually quite like her performance in this one mm. i actually quite like her um because she's very sassy i would say she is very sassy do you yeah. know what i mean by that she's um yeah well there's one bit where she's sort of yeah just lying across the chair very sassy like yeah yeah and her her reactions and her scenes with the doctor as well she uh you know, she immediately, you know, I think she can tell that the, the doctor is viewed as this kind of really, you know, dangerous, you know, potentially dangerous, you know, person. Mm. But she doesn't treat him like that in any way. She, uh, she um, just, you know, there's a lot of banter with him, a lot of joking, 
you know, she doesn't see his authority like everyone else does, I suppose. Mm. So based on that, she's very, um, she's, she's, she's quite funny and yeah. So I, I think because this is the first time that we see her like this, it, it does work. You know, it's a good contrast with the doctor, mm. you know, um, the only other person who's like that with him, I suppose, is Amy, you know, she's, yeah. um, cause at the very beginning, you know, when the, the floor opens and the force, you know, the thing that transports them down to the planet, the doctor's like, don't be scared. And Amy says something like, scared? Are you kidding? You know, because they- I'm loving this, yeah. Yeah, because they haven't travelled with him for a little while. Mm. And she, you know, Oswin's a bit like that. You know, she's not really, you know, buying it. You know, she just treats him as the mate sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I suppose it's the first time we get to see how the 11th Doctor and his new companion-to-be are going to interact. Because she is quite, um, she's quite confident, cocky. There's there's lots of sort of little one-liners coming Mm -hmm. out left, right and centre for us. So it's quite an interesting introduction to our sort of new companion, (laughs) if Mm. you like. Um, I think she's okay in it. Yeah, I think she is perhaps just a tad too much. But then again, it works in terms of the story because they do tone down the sort of chipping in with sake comments every five seconds um but it works in terms of the story yeah yeah so i think yeah based as an isolated story Mm. i think she works very well yeah i think so yeah yeah it's not until you know we get to see too much of clara as the the series each series goes by Mm. and her importance and, and and you know sort of gets ramped up a lot of the times past the doctors yeah um, it does begin to grate, as we've said many times. But I think just for this one, and we don't see her again until, what is it, the snowmen, isn't it, the the next time we see her? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we don't see her for a little while. So you can kind of appreciate the banter and the cockiness, and then you can forget about it for a while. So it's okay. And I think she's a, you know, as an actor, she's she's very good. I do like Jenna Louise, Jenna Coleman. Um, it's just a shame that she was overwritten. Hmm. That's all. I, I think I do remember thinking it's going to be like I, I did love at the time thinking I was so intrigued like how it was gonna how she ended up in the Dalek and how she was going to become the companion and mm. and all of that sort of thing. I mean that was a really nice trick for them off to put off. Unfortunately, the answers we got didn't quite live up to <laughs> the expectations, which is you know nothing new. But um, but I did love that at the time. I remember just thinking, wow, that's really cool how he's done that. You know how. So are we going to go back in time? Is this going to be how she ends up? You know, where are we going with this? Um, yes. So that in itself was good. Yeah, she does give her a good performance. Yeah, yeah. She does. In, in, yeah. in terms of the story. Hmm. Yeah. And then the other supporting cast members, very few and far between. They're not bad, actually, are they, though, for supporting cast, even though they're not in it much. I actually thought, you know, sometimes we get some very stage-like performances from mm-hmm. people who have only got like three or four lines. They're not bad in this. You know, the the woman that's on the Dalek, on Scarrow with all the millions of Daleks, and she's like been converted, and the doctor's Darla. trying to get her to remember. She's not bad. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And she's only in it a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. And Harvey was quite good as well. You know, the guy who helps on the, them. Yeah. Yeah. He helps Amy. Um, but then turns. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he was quite turns good. Dalek. Yeah. No, I did. I did think, yeah, uh, that was one of the, sorry, that was the, the other positive note I made. They actually, the supporting cast, although they, only have a few lines that are, are, are decent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Nick Briggs, obviously having the time of his life, <laughs> uh, voice in dialects, but we did have, um, uh, is it Barnaby? Yeah. Barnaby Edwards and, and Nick Pegg. 
come back to do some of the other variations, like the deeper voice Dalek and one of the other mm. ones. And so that was quite cool. I just I just keep thinking of the Doctor Who magazine at the time had a amazing cover with all the different Daleks on I know, for this. I, know. Uh, I just I just every time I watch it, I can't get over it. But I well, I, mu- I must. But yeah, I just keep thinking. I've still got it somewhere. Well. It's an amazing cover, wasn't it? Saying, you know, mm-hmm. I remember this, this episode yeah. was so built up to be, yeah, something it wasn't. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. Are we satisfied with the details? Do you want to move on to scores? Yeah, let's move on to scores. Okay. It's me to go first, I believe. It is. And I'm going to give this a six out of 10. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Uh, unusually, because I'm normally higher than you. Uh, but I'm actually going lower, going lower, lower, higher, lower. <laughs> I'm going for a five. A middle of the very, road. Middle, very middle of the road, I find this. So a five. Okay. Yeah. So you couldn't decide either way. It was uh, down the middle. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, it's not, uh, yeah, it is very much down the middle. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just, uh, as I said, if it was on, I'd watch it, but I wouldn't go yeah. out of my way to, yeah. to put it on yeah yes my initial thought was a four Ooh. but then i thought actually no it's not that bad no it's not but bad there are worse stories oh yes <laughs> a lot worse stories and then i <laughs> yeah. settled on a five like you i was like yeah but then i thought no matt smith's brilliant in this so I, g- I gave it another one just for matt smith's um performance oh, i think that's fair enough yeah. and as i said most of that five is for the production values and mm-hmm. stuff um not yeah. the story itself yeah Okay, so six from me, five from Adam. Let's see what our listeners think. We resumed our uh, polls over on Twitter. So we asked you if this one was likey or stinky, and 64% of you said likey, with the remaining 36% on stinky. So majority there goes to likey. Over on Facebook, Sammy Satine says, question, where exactly in continuity does this fit? She says, because here the Doctor barely bats an eyelid at Scaro being back. Two series later, he is shocked and surprised to see it. That is a very good point. Was this Scaro before it blew up in Remembrance? I'm confused. As are we all, Sammy. As are we all. We should have asked the moth on Sunday. She then says, when do the Daleks have a parliament or indeed an asylum? Uh, random breakup between Amy and Rory for five seconds, only to get them back together again. Uh, she likes Oswin. She wouldn't. She would have been more interesting companion than Clara. Shame the special weapons Dalek gets a brief cameo and does nothing. She settles on a six out of ten. Mm, yeah, good some very good there. points, Sammy. Yep. Lewis Blackmore says, "Bit of an inconsistent mess, to be honest." Mm. Feels like a scenario where they almost had to create a full-blown story just to fulfil the Terry Nation estate contract. Yeah. The inclusion of Amy Rory seems a bit forced, as well as their divorce storyline. Nevertheless, Smith is very good, as always, and it's always good to see classic Daleks. Uh, six out of ten. Uh, Dooley Johnson says, this is one that a lot of fans really enjoy, but personally for me, this was a, one of the weakest episodes of Smith's era. Why do the Daleks have an asylum? That is my main complaint with this episode. The whole premise, uh, kind of like the episode following, Dinosaurs and a Spaceship, sounds mm. stupid. Yeah. Uh, Oswin is all right. I'd much prefer, over the, her, much prefer her over current day Clara as a companion, but overall the episode is just bad. Uh, the downfall of the episode, 
besides its poor premise, is the stupid breakup between Amy and Rory. Mm -hmm. This man waited 2,000 years for this woman and broke off their marriage in less than two years. Yeah. Three out of ten. Oh. Paul Villano Gosh. says, terrible because of potential of the potential lost and proof of Moffat's madness. <laughs> uh, Oswin, <clears throat> brilliant idea, brilliant character, brilliant plot, all simply snipped and never used again after years. Instead, Moffat gave us a uh, morass of confusing doctor, lesbian, mystery Claras we couldn't care less about when all we wanted was human made, was Oswin made human again. Mm. Good point, Paul. Mm. Yes. Uh, Jason Thayer says, the marital squabbling between Amy and Rory bring it down. I like the concept of Daleks having members who are too crazy with hate and anger, even for them. Uh, Clara's echo is fascinating. I think this is one of Moffat's best scripts. Nine out of ten. Wow. Coolio. Uh, Chris Parry says, this is one I've got to appreciate more over the years. Mm. Uh, I loved the idea of an asylum, the mix of Daleks of all eras on show, and Oswin and that twist at the end. Uh, seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Mullin says, one of my favourite Dalek stories because it tries to do something different and introduces new elements into the mythos. Visually stunning, well-directed and acted. Um, the introduction of Jenna Coleman and her death was unexpected. Maybe it could be argued that we never saw enough of the classic Daleks, but that would be rectified a year later. Not perfect, but enjoyable 8.5. Miles McKenzie, average watch, potential wasted and rushed. This could have been a good two-parter. The story has so many pointless plots, which were poorly executed. Um, Four out of ten. Uh, Our good friend, Bad Wilf, Martin Vincent says, I don't think this story works at all. Now, this has been, now, had this been Asylum of the Cybermen, I think it would have been a perfect story. It's interesting. Mm, That is interesting, yeah. Uh, Craig Stimson says, truly love this story. Uh, Cinematic, uh, such a cinematic film in its its direction and the effects. Not always sure the script is bulletproof, but I'm happy to turn a blind eye. Love the gritty reality to Amy and Rory separating and the fact that the Doctor can even solve relationship difficulties. Mm. Uh, the hallucination ballet scene is quite compelling, as so is a series. One of my favourites from Matt Smith. Thank you, Craig. I forgot about that scene. That is really trippy, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clay Crow says, I personally like this episode. Lots of fun, good energy, and a great introduction to the Impossible Girl scenario. Eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Joe okay. Sweeney this is one of the weakest Dalek stories in the Matt Smith era uh, it did have potential but what let it down was the story was just too messy and no continuity and uh, there was just nothing new thrown into it I don't get the parliament of the Daleks which that has come from nowhere and the Daleks in this was wasted and hardly do anything Yeah. what kept me entertained was Matt Smith with his good performance even if he had a weak story to deal with he gives it a four a four okay uh, Joseph Howarth, uh, the story just blows. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear me. The Daleks are just used as a subplot where they do absolutely nothing. We spend the majority of the episode just focusing on Amy and Rory's apparent divorce, which makes no sense from a storytelling standpoint, and the overabundance of human Daleks. God bless Matt Smith trying as the Doctor. Lord knows he's trying, but I just wish he had something to do in the episode that spoke to his acting range regardless he's one of the only good things about the episode mm. um, he does go on a bit further and, but he gives it a 3 out of 10 a 3 oh dear George Puddy says 
So Asylum of the Daleks, I always feel that this episode gets too much hate than it deserves. Maybe this is because when it was first, when as the first series opener on broadcast with me joining at the end of series six, uh, it says, sure, the Amy and Roy divorce is crap and completely unneeded and the classic Daleks are wasted, yet I love the concept behind the Dalek Asylum. Uh, Smith is brilliant as always and Jenna gives a good performance. I find Oswin's character annoying though. Uh, overall, flawed yet enjoyable, slightly nostalgic, nostalgic story for me. Uh, seven out of ten. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, last couple, Lou Gallagher says, bit of a sloppy mess, really. Some really mm-hmm. grating plot holes that stop me from enjoying it that are too obvious to ignore. How can they hear Oswin's human voice over the comms when it's late revealed she talks like any other Dalek? Oh. And where did her music also come from? Do Daleks have iTunes or Spotify in their path web? <laughs> I like the thought of that. He says, ask Tap for me. Well, we would ask him, Lou, but he's sulking, as usual. Yeah, yeah. And says, why do the Daleks say they find it offensive to extinguish such divine hatred and then blow up the asylum planet with however many Daleks on it? Mm. Two big niggles, he says for me. And the off-screen arc, if you can call it that, with Amy and Rory was re- Amy and Rory was really forced and resolved too quickly. Yeah. So the cast is great, though. It was a nice surprise debut for Jenna. Nick Briggs should be commended for his vocal work um, with how he manages to take many Daleks in the asylum. Uh, he goes on to give it a four or a five. Four or five, okay. Yeah. And lastly, Lewis Palmer says, having just rewatched this in my marathon. I can say it's the definition of a mixed bag. Yes. Uh, Some elements are fantastic. The direction is spot on. Smith is acting his heart out as always. And the Daleks are pretty well utilised, though barely any classics, uh, even though we were told they'd be heavily featured. Murray's music is also great, and Nick Briggs really gets to shine as the Daleks. Unfortunately, there's a lot wrong with it. The Amy Rory subplot, um, the Dalek continuity, Scarrow's back but it was destroyed, blah, blah, blah. Um, he doesn't give it a score. Oh, he doesn't give it a score. He says 5.5 out of 10. And we also get new Instagram filter titles. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I was going to ask you about the titles because when mm. do we get, I was thinking this would have the red smoky titles with Matt Smith's face in for some reason, but it doesn't. Is that ne- Is that the second half of this series or what? I've completely lost track now. I don't know. With the thumping bass. It must yeah. be the second half of this series, wasn't it? I think well, so. I thought it would yeah. be I thought it'd be at the start of this series. Yeah, most odd. Uh, hold on, what series seven? Was that the one with the big break? You had yeah, that's seri- what I'm thinking. So maybe it's the yeah. second half of this series. Was... Yeah. Because I was waiting for it thinking, is the thumpy bass yeah. boom, 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 boom. we don't we don't get it. We get this weird yeah. I think uh, it's Instagram. series oh, series seven B. B. So we you only got that. it for half a series. I'm I believe so. Yeah. Surprised they would splash cash on that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it for the official stuff. Did you have anything over on the Geeks handbag? Yeah, I had a couple on Geeks handbag. So a bit like yours, quite mixed, really. Um, Gavin, sorry, Gavrick uh, Sawyer says, crappy as hell. Uh, the Oswald thing was just pointless and annoying. The classic Daleks didn't actually get the opportunity to properly shine and still haven't he says um the whole relationship between amy and rory was incredibly forced to another person saying that mm. um gavrick which is a great name by the way <laughs> gives it a two out of ten a two. two 
Bradley Willard, I don't usually detest many stories, he says, but this has to be one of the crowning jewels as far as Doctor Who's worst episodes are concerned. There is a futile and inconsistent narrative, pointless subplots, i.e. Amy Rory's divorce, and a completely wasted potential by introducing every single Dalek in the show's history. A massive disappointment. He gives it zero at 10. Oh, one point for Matt Smith, surely, Bradley. Surely. (laughs) Surely. Uh, Anyway, Patrick Walsley says, uh, for me... It's an okay story, but he prefers Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Um, He gives it a 6.5 out of 10. Charlie Turner, good episode, horribly, terribly flawed. There are only two things I hate the most is uh, Rora's divorce subplot, which takes the focus away from the Daleks, and uh, and the fact the Daleks are made to forget who the Doctor is. Um, Basically, he says he quite enjoys it, though, overall, so he's given it an 8.5 out of 10. Patrick Sherwood... um, just basically says it's an okay story. He gives it a 7.5 out of 10, but it's not the best, he says. Miles McKenzie, I watched it once more after writing a review on the podcast page. I think I've changed my score to a 1.5 out of 10. (laughs) He says, there's something about this story I can't stand, but I'm not sure what. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, I can kind of get your feeling there. And uh, lastly, John Hurt gives a very short review, basically says this should be called Asylum of the Fan Service. Oh, crikey. Yeah, so harsh words there. <laughs> harsh words <laughs> but, there, my friend. But a lot of them I agree with. <laughs> a real mixed bag, I think, is the moral of, of this story. Yeah. Some people yeah. obviously very, very, very much like it, which is fair enough, but mm-hmm. a lot of people not liking it at all. I wanted to like it more, you know. I really hoped I'd watch it yesterday and think, oh, this isn't too bad. I knew there'd be bits I wouldn't like, but... I didn't expect it to end and me feel like, yeah, that was rubbish. <laughs> you know, I thought there might be, mm. yeah, yeah, more to it. Snapped. Anyway. Yeah, I really wanted to like it, but there we go. Thank you so much for all of your thoughts and mini reviews on that. Very nice. Uh, next week, it's Classic Who's turn. Yeah, I love it when we do Classic Who. Yeah. So what we got next week, Birdie? So next week. Oh, I know. Is that the, no, that's. That's sea is devils. It them? Yes, it is. No, that's sea devils. Yeah. Oh no, it's not sea devils, uh, listeners. <laughs> it's ice warriors. <laughs> We're doing the seeds of death. The seeds of death. No, it's still like seeds of death. Seeds of death. Yes. What do they talk like? Ice warriors is a bit like that. There's a bit of a whispery kind. Of, yeah. You're not far <laughs> off. Yeah. So, <laughs> Save me. Do <laughs> <laughs> So Patrick Troughton story next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the TARDIS crew in this one? I know it's Jamie, Jamie and Jamie, uh, Zoe, Jamie and Zoe. Zoe, 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 Zoe. Oh no! There is, there is. I always get seeds of death and seeds of doom. Of doom, yes. Mixed up the fourth doctor one, and there's a there's a friend of ours who listens to the podcast. I'm not going to say his name because he told me I always never say his name. I'm not going to. Um, if he's made it this far to the end, he always says, "When are you going to do seeds of doom?" And I said, oh, it might be. Co- oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's still not come up. It's a common problem. Yeah. Seas yeah. of death. Yes. So get your DVD, get your, get your VD divs, divs. Get your DVDs out for that get your one. Get your eight tracks out. Get your, yes. It's a six-parter. So you're going to have to invest a little bit Is of time. It? Oh, blimey. Yeah. 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 Not bad, though, back in the day. I'll tell you what, it bagged over seven million or, well, roughly 7 million viewers an episode, mate. Did it? Oh, yeah. 
It's because it's uh, Troughton. Oh, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Seeds of Death, not the Seeds of Doom, the Seeds of no. Death. Death. Next week, and I think we'll do there for 174. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening through episode 174. It's been great to have you on board as we waffle and chat and keep you updated of most of the things that are going on in Doctor Who. Unfortunately, and this is the third week in a row now, somebody has left us from Classic Who. But there is a cool DVD on the way. Potentially cool. Hmm. Yes. Asylum of the Daleks. Dear, oh dear, what are we going to do? Dear moth. Maybe it's one of those stories where we watch it in 10 years' time and we're like, do you know what? I haven't seen it since we reviewed it back in 2018, but I really like Mm. it now. Who do you think? Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crikey. Next week, The Seeds of Death. We'll just look out for the social media posts for that, asking you for your reviews and so on. That would be awesome source. In the meantime, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, you can link off to all of our social networks that we're on. So you can give us a like and a follow if you would like to do so. You can also link off there if you want to listen to it on a podcast network or app. There's a big button on there for iTunes, plus some of the other podcast networks. We're on all of those things. And if you're an iTunes listener, if you could spare a moment for a a review and a rating, that would be amazing because that really helps us a lot. Also, check out my co-host's YouTube channel, The Geeks. (laughs) (laughs) I actually enjoy enjoying doing that voice more than I should. (laughs) Check out The Geeks Handbag over on YouTube (laughs) where Adam has a plethora of unique science fiction based videos mm-hmm. where he goes through numerous unboxings and reviews and all sorts it's very good yeah. <laughs> go and check it out check it out <laughs> until next week for episode 175 mm. <laughs> my name is Gary my name's Adam and remember hello <laughs> 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 Uh, oh God. Uh, 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 uh,